Mr. Derek Veenhoff. He's better known as Deke. Drinking liquor with DJ Deke, we out laughing. Yo, Deke. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 85. We're here with Mick West. Once again, Mick, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here again. again. Yeah. And uh, Mick is the, uh, well, of course, if you listen to our other episode with Mick, you remember that he uh, was a co-founder of Neversoft that actually created the Tony Hawk Pro Skater Series uh, video games, as well as uh, Guitar Hero. You got the uh, skateboard there in the background. That's right. And uh, but of course, Mick uh, retired from game programming and then uh, he got really into debunking the paranormal UFOs, pseudoscience uh, with metabunk.org, which is his website. And uh, Mick uh, released a book a couple years ago now um, that is Escape from the Rabbit Hole. And he also has a podcast now called Tales from the Rabbit Hole. Um, how, how Mick. Uh, how have you uh how has the book and the podcast been received and uh what are some of the biggest insights that you've uh you've gathered so far well it's pretty good if you look at the amazon rankings there it's uh kind of divided there's there's like a bunch of four and five star reviews and then there's a bunch of one star reviews from the people who uh don't like what i'm saying since so much that they don't like you know the way the book is written and stuff they just don't think that i'm on the up and up so uh, you know, a problem I've always had for for years now is is people think I'm some kind of I don't know government shill, yeah. and so it's it's difficult to get across to people if uh, if they they start out with that belief. So really, the book's more kind of aimed at people who have a friend who is down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole, uh, and it's been pretty well received from from those people. You know, if people want to understand more about these various conspiracy theories and understand about, you know, why people fall for them and why they stay down there and what you can do to help them out. And the podcast is really just kind of an extension of that. Yeah. So it's not it's not a direct confrontation to people who might believe these types of things, but it's more speaking to those who have people like that in their lives or, like you said, to help them understand it. Um, have you ever found success uh confronting people directly about this kind of stuff. This is the thing you hear uh, with the, this discussion that uh, it, as far as vaccines, for example, and that kind of thing, it's it's seemingly more important to talk to the people that are on the fence about things or that are around mm -hmm. the, uh, the discussion, but that not uh, directly are anti-vaccine and that kind of thing. Yeah, I think, yeah, you know, whenever someone is kind of going through this, this type of thing, a belief in conspiracy theories, they go through a kind of a, a trajectory where they're going up and getting more and more deep into it down well so i guess they'd be down the rabbit hole but they're getting deeper and deeper into it so it's whilst they're in this 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 initial phase of them um, kind of you know learning more stuff and uh, getting into it and promoting it and things like that not a lot you're going to do is is really going to make much difference uh or at least it's not going to seem to make much difference but everyone is who goes through it and gets out of it, which is a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people will eventually get out of it, if not, you know, the majority of them. Uh, there's usually a fairly specific turning point, and it usually re revolves around one fairly simple thing. Uh, they realize that one thing was wrong, and then they they start to question, like, what else might be wrong? If, if they actually accept this thing, oh, this thing is definitely wrong. Like with uh, the QAnon thing, there was there was an interview, I think, on the BBC or CNN, perhaps, with a guy who who used to be in QAnon. And he said that the thing that kind of made the difference was uh, someone showed him that one thing that he thought was true about Q was, was false. And the thing was that there was a prediction that Donald Trump would say tippy-top at some point. And then Donald Trump did say tippy-top. And everyone took this to be a sign that you know Q is infallible and is playing four-dimensional chess and there's a direct line to Donald Trump. But the thing was, um, the prediction was actually to say it during the State of the Union address, and he didn't. And also, Donald Trump says tippy-top all the time. It's yeah. one of his favorite phrases. You can go yeah. back and you can look at all these videos of, of him saying that. So for, for this guy, just telling him this one thing was the tipping point. But that doesn't mean if you tell any Q person that one thing, it's going to make any difference. Yeah. He just happened to be at the right spot in his trajectory where that was the something that he would pivot on. 
all the things that were told to him up to that point, I think, did help to a degree by kind of keeping him more grounded in reality and giving him useful information to, to work with. But you won't see uh, results most of the time. But at some point, there will be a result. Yeah. And now, of course, that uh, Joe Biden has been sworn in as president, uh, you do you actually see some videos. I don't know how many of them are real or fake of mm -hmm. QAnon supporters that are saying they're almost crying. Some of them saying, you know, have I been duped and all this? I've seen a, multiple videos like that of people saying, you know, what if we were wrong? And I guess we're wrong kind of thing. Um, is there do we know from the QAnon people? Are they still on board? Is it is he is the storm still coming somehow? Well, it it's it's kind of a split really yeah. uh and, and like this is what happens with any kind of prophecy-based uh conspiracy theory or cult is that you know at some point they have to count the chickens and they they don't get the prophecy they were they were ending up with and so you kind of get like like two or three different reactions to that you're going to get people who just say oh well we just didn't understand it or, or or maybe we changed it ourselves by doing this and so now there's a new plan and so we'll go with a new plan and they just they just carry on with whatever they see as being the new plan and then they see the failure of that gets folded into the explanation and all becomes part of this wonderful explanation and then there are people who will take it as being oh what the heck we that was wrong i believe that was to be true and everything I knew was wrong and maybe I should reevaluate this and maybe I should kind of move away from this and should I check other things that I believed and and then you get people who are kind of in the middle and they're just like yeah and they just uh think well maybe it wasn't quite what was made out to be but I'm still yeah. kind of suspicious and yeah like just, it's still nefarious there's still something going on but I'm not yeah. even sure what it is but uh, I just know that Biden's bad guy because because yeah of all this yeah stuff so yeah so yeah, you can't say like what's going to happen to the Q people because they're all different. They're, yeah. They all have different levels of involvement and they all have different levels of where they are in their trajectory. That because it's such a big a big a big shake to the system, though that's going to like you know shake a lot of uh, leaves out of the tree. Uh, but you know some people are going to cling on to it. Yeah, so of course uh, we've had COVID nineteen. Uh, we have the just the election being a fraud, according to Trump and hmm. others. So uh, how do you describe or how, how have you been thinking about um, conspiracy theory as how it relates to those things? And is it like, are things getting worse? Or are things staying the same as far as the amount of people that uh, believe these types well, of conspiracies? I think it's kind of like, we're in a new situation here. Because if you look at, uh, you, you compare things like specifically the election fraud claims, the election fraud, fraud conspiracy theory. This is something that has been pushed by Donald Trump and the people around him as, as if it's fact for, for months, for many months. I mean, really starting back when, uh, four, four plus years ago, when he was campaigning uh, to, to get the nomination. He's always been saying that the elections are rigged and things like that. And so his supporters believe him. And we haven't really had a situation like that with what the other conspiracy theories like, um, you know, chemtrails in 9-11 and JFK and, you know, historical conspiracy theories. But now we've got something that's been aggressively pushed by the president, you know, the former president now, thank God, uh, and the people around him as if, if, it's, if it's being fact. And so you get millions of people who genuinely believe it. I mean, they think, why would the president lie? He's this great guy, so it must be true. And so you've, you've got many, many more people believing this, and they feel like they have way more justification for believing it than, than you know, the other conspiracy theories like moon landing hoaxes and things like that, which are you know, somewhat bereft of evidence and bereft of, of high-level figures telling you uh, that it's true. So it's, it's kind of a, a new world, and it's I think, needs kind of different and more intensive debunking attempts yeah well the election stuff in particular because it is so like you just said that whether it's ufo and some of these things are more out there but having mail fraud or what they call you know depending who you ask they call it uh ballot collecting or harvesting right harvesting, yeah, ballot like harvesting. A, a negative word um and then you mm -hmm. have some states have different laws regarding that so um it does get kind of confusing for the average person so i oh, think yeah. that's what it is when you hear the president just say something it's okay this is a nice package he's giving us they must have done their research uh into this i don't know enough about it i kind of think 
yeah like yeah. i'm a supporter of him so i'm gonna believe it yeah and definitely and like and the people you know who bring things up in uh these 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 kind of show hearings that they had giuliani and uh, the other lawyers uh and you know the the more out there lawyers like lynn wood and uh, oh, Sidney yeah. powell uh who are kind of like q and on uh, type people who are positing really ridiculous conspiracy theories. To well, do they even had distance from her at one point because yeah, yeah, and, and certainly from uh, Lynn Wood because I mean they never really were with him. But then Sidney Powell had teamed up with Lynn Wood, so they kind of got that by association. Uh, and Lynn Wood is you know, really crazy, or at least he uh, he says things which appear to be crazy. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, the the stuff that's that's out there because it's being being said by the president, uh, even the crazy stuff by association starts to seem somewhat plausible. And like you said, it's it's complicated stuff. So the average person isn't going to go in there and, and do the statistics or look for the data and things like that. So they'll see uh, a video online and it's got something like, you know, the world's smartest man uh, proves conspiracy theories. And you've got this guy called Dr. Shiva and then there's another guy called uh, Solomon. Uh, and they say, you know, I'm I'm a mathematician or a data analyst or whatever. And then they 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 look at some spreadsheets and say, look at this number here. This number shouldn't be twelve; it should be like two. And you know, the the person watching the video has no idea what the the math is behind it, if it's if it's correct or not, which it generally isn't. Uh, and so they just say, oh, well, here's a guy proving that that's fraud. And so they uh, they go with that because it's. It, uh, it matches what Trump has been telling them. And so you've still got millions of people who think there is uh, absolute proof of election fraud when there really isn't. Yeah. Is this an obvious point that all of this has to do with social media and the way that information is just so fast now? Like when I think of the example, you just said somebody watching a video, uh, they don't have time to research this stuff mm -hmm. because the next point of news is up in five minutes. And back in the day, it was just, you know, the major networks that were uh, things would get approved that usually had to be true or true enough that would come to your television screen or your radio. Uh, but nowadays it's independent filmmakers yeah. and independent Twitter accounts and, and that kind of thing. And yeah. And there's a couple of things there. there. There's, there's, there's the diversity of sources that you, you listed, like you get all these different filmmakers, uh, but there's also the speed at which things can get out and the speed at which you can access this information. Like if you think back like a really long time ago uh, before, before radio, uh, uh, you, there was no way of hearing something. So if somebody said, like, this guy said something, there's no way you could hear the sound of his voice. You just have to rely on the written word, which you know, would be transmitted via telegraph across the country. And so each time you get some kind of technological improvements, like, like radio or, or, or even recordings of voices, uh, it's, it's people, things are getting to you faster and they're getting to you in a way that you perhaps didn't experience before. So then you get like television, so you get you get to see people. And then you get uh, you got the the cable news cycle, the twenty four hour cable news cycle, where you get constant news coming in. And now you've got things like Twitter, where if something's happening, the news starts hitting Twitter within minutes sometimes, uh, and sometimes you're even seeing things happening playing out live, like with the the storming of the Capitol. There was lots and lots of different uh, video feeds of people who were actually there. And so you could see it happening in real time, which is something that you couldn't really happen, see before. And you get commentary happening in real time. So people can be starting to spin the conspiracy theories while something's actually happening, or even while it's just about to happen, like before people storm the Capitol, people could be making uh, conspiracy theories about why they were going to storm the Capitol. So the speed of things creates this kind of feedback loop, which not only gets things into your head quicker, but it also allows them to kind of refine the conspiracy theories and you know whatever works best will spread the fastest and so the rumors that spread the fastest is kind of like a natural selection thing yeah. the ones that don't work the ones that don't spark your attention just fall away and you're left with whatever the strongest one is and the the strong conspiracy theories survive yeah speaking of natural selection just made me think that like evolutionarily uh, there must be i'm just guessing something that we're wired to believe things that are trusted people around us are telling us like i would imagine that skepticism is something that developed with the rational mm -hmm. mind over time um do, do you have any thoughts on that i mean just yeah you know, well I mean, like back in the day whatever your tribe would tell you something why would they mm -hmm. lie to you kind of thing yeah 
yeah, you I mean you're you're kind of I think primed to trust the people who are you know, your friends and your tribe, the people directly around you, and your your brain is kind of evolved to uh, kind of trust a small number of people, but be wary of things that are beyond that. So when a stranger comes, like you know, a stranger uh, kind of triggers uh, like concern because it's someone you've not seen before. Uh, and especially if they, they look different to you, that could be another thing as well. Like, you know, obviously you don't, uh, if you're going through the, the forest and you see a person that's different from you going through a forest and seeing like a tiger. Uh, so the, the more, the more different things are, the more you fear them. And these are just kind of very kind of primitive, um, reactions to the environment that, that you, you can't really control. And in some ways it's just emotional. Uh, it's, it's an emotional feeling that wells up. It's not really like you know, you're thinking about, yeah, you know, this person's a stranger. I shouldn't listen to them. It's just that you tend to react better to people in your tribe. And then we've got this strange thing now where we've got the online social media, and people kind of form tribes in in that circle, but they're not really forming them around like people and groups so much as as like around ideas. Yeah, ideas. Yeah. But, yeah, and so it's it's almost like like a cult of an idea rather than a cult of a person. And there's lots of similarities with cults, but it's more decentralized and more kind of just about you know, say, uh, you know, massive election fraud. It isn't necessarily like yeah, you know, I just believe this one person, you know, Trump or whoever, Sidney Powell. It's that you know you think the massive election fraud happened, and these these people are, are saying things, and they they kind of become part of your tribe. Uh, yeah. But anybody else who says the same thing also becomes part of the, your tribe. And so you differentiate people based on what they say. And so now me, Mick West, the debunker, I don't think there was massive election fraud. And so I'm outside of the tribe. I'm like a different person because that's what's important to you is uh, proving that or not. Yeah. You also then have um, people who say, no, I don't believe in massive election fraud, but I, leave, I believe in some election fraud, you know, a little bit. But then even when you look into that, it's still not true like there's virtually no election fraud as far as the officials that investigate this stuff have found as far yeah, as well, I've the, read. there's always some election fraud but it's it's very very small numbers like you you yeah. look up how many dead people voted and right. it's it's like two or something like that yeah. how many people voted like out of state uh in the wrong state and there's usually a few hundred because people haven't updated their addresses and things like that and that they're not it's not actually election fraud it's just like essentially a, a record keeping thing yeah. yeah like either they voted in the wrong state because they hadn't established residence in that yeah. uh and but it, it's it's a, and even then even though it could be a few hundred people do that it doesn't really make any big difference to the uh results because it usually goes both ways and then you, you get things like clerical errors like you will get uh ballots that can't be read and again that goes both ways so it kind of evens out uh, and most of these things don't really favor one candidate. That's the, the other, other point. Yeah. Why would it only favor one? One. Yeah. yeah. You you really need something that was really well organized uh, to do it. And the thing is, like, it would be almost impossible not to get caught. Mm -hmm. But then uh, the believers in the theory think that they have caught them. They think that they've got all this evidence. Yeah. that for some reason all the courts are ignoring and all the congress people are ignoring uh, and did you see just... some of those hearings like did you see some of those where these oh, yeah. citizens yeah. And, you know a guy i've had 40 years experience in security and this and that and this is what i saw i saw a usb drive and stuff and it's like yeah going on for hours but... and they're just not actually saying any evidence yeah, they don't. They don't actually produce any any real evidence. Like they would say things like, "Oh, I looked at this error log, and it it said like sixty percent of the uh, uh, the ballots were rejected, or something like that." But they don't actually give you the error log, so you can check what was actually going on. And it turns out that uh, this error log was just listing, you know, essentially the same error, which is a configuration error or something. Every 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 line, it didn't actually relate to the number of ballots that were rejected. And so people take things like really out of context. Uh, and you're just seeing like the tip of how they've taken the data and processed it and looked at it from a certain angle and then filtered it out and then pushed things together and then said, oh, look, this is evidence when really uh, it isn't. It's just that they've, they've massaged the data, they've munged is the computer term where you take data and you turn it into a different format. Mm -hmm. So you know, it looks to the 
the untrained eye and presumably to their eyes as well, like that there's something going on. Uh, and I think if you're really motivated to find um, irregularities in data and you're not perhaps that good at doing it, then you could actually honestly think you have found things. You mm -hmm. could think you've actually discovered uh, proof, of, proof of election fraud. It kind of reminds me of, of physics cranks. You know, there's, a, there's a type of um, self-taught scientist that we refer to as a crank, mm -hmm. who is someone who comes up with their own theories of something like physics. And the simplest test of if someone is a crank is to see have they claimed that they've disproved Einstein. Einstein's theory of, uh, of general relativity or something like that. And if they had, then yes, they're probably a crank. Because, <laughs> but they, they become convinced themselves that they have actually done this thing. So it's not like they're lying to you. And I think a, a lot of these people that you see on YouTube uh, doing these big spreadsheet analyses and you know, spending hours and hours poring over numbers and looking at them different ways and applying equations to them, they might genuinely believe that they are uncovering election fraud. And, and in part, it's because they strongly believe uh, from the start that there is election fraud. And so they're just looking, 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 where is it? Where is the evidence? Is this the evidence? Oh, this, this looks weird. Maybe that's the evidence. Like, this is weird too. So I'm going to say that's the evidence. But they, they don't entirely understand it. But because it validates what they're thinking, that they're uncovering some kind of evil communist plot, they, they go with it. Right. And they may not like be lying, but they're just mistaken or they have their data. Exactly. Correct. Yeah. A lot of it was blatantly contradictory, though, like uh, when they were people were claiming that uh, we, we were able to get close enough to the ballots to see that there was fraud, yet we were they were not allowing us to get close to the ballots. So mm -hmm. we sued for for them to allow to, to stand closer. Right. Which yeah. literally those two things do not congruent in reality. Well, that might have been different people uh, making the claims because yeah, obviously yeah. There's, there's a lot of people there. And yeah. again, you could see the people who were there, the ones that were banging on the windows and shouting at people. They, they believed that fraud was taking place because they'd been told uh, in no uncertain terms by, by Donald Trump, essentially, that, uh, that the Democrats were trying to steal the election. And so they were going down there to try and stop the vote or whatever, or to examine the vote. And they, they thought that they were, uh, they, they thought that the people that they were shouting at were evil people who were trying to steal the election. So in a way, you could say their heart was in the right place because they yeah, thought in, that in their way, crime yeah. was being committed. Yeah. And so they were, they were trying to stop it, but they, they unfortunately were misled and mistaken. Yeah. Uh, one thing that really pushed a lot of people, I think, uh, to believe this Biden crime family concept was the Hunter Biden laptop thing, which for me, from a news story perspective, I, right off the bat, I was like, this just doesn't seem right. There was a blind mm -hmm. computer shop owner and something, and he went on the laptop and found uh, this and that, that Hunter had been has code names and was paid this and that amount of money for. Now, the what I looked up, um, just the brief stuff I looked up about it, was the truth that he uh, wore, he was on the board of a energy company, a large energy company in mm -hmm. uh, China, was it? Or Ukraine, uh, sorry, Ukraine. Yeah, in the Ukraine. I, yeah. I guess there was ties to China too somewhere in the, the murkiness. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, so if we were to be charitable to the let's say hunter biden's a bad guy let's try to be charitable to that is it the worst thing we can find that he was appointed to a position based on his last name and his perhaps his influence but i think the true story was that ukraine wanted to have a good standing with the west so they yeah involved with the, the russia ukraine stuff back then and they didn't want to seem biased on one once to to the to russia or um yeah, I think I think it's fairly obvious that you can't get away from uh, people getting positions because of their uh, their, their family or name or their yeah. connections, and this is just kind of the way the way the world works. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, you look at uh, look at Trump; he had his entire family like around him in the White House. Well, exactly. It, yeah, uh, and and I'm sure that uh, the the Trump name has been used extensively. Yeah, I'm not saying like you know it's okay because Trump did it. I mean, I don't think it is okay. I think it would be ideal if that type of thing didn't happen. But that is the type of thing that happens for all politicians. Is this kind of uh, kind of 
they can use their associations and their connections to, to benefit those around them and benefit themselves uh, in, in return. And that type of grift has been kind of going on uh, for, for a long time. And it's certainly going on now uh, with the majority of, of politicians and uh, even the ones you think that are completely independent, they still get speaking fees and things like that. So it's, it's very difficult to, to remain like entirely without uh, suspicion. Uh, but the, the Hunter Biden laptop, yeah, like you said, it was, it was kind of weird the way it turned up like this, I don't think it was blind, but it was, Very fishy, he claimed, yeah. he claimed he couldn't recognize the guy who brought it in, but the guy said he was Hunter Biden, uh, uh, which was kind of weird. And then he, he looked at the contents of the laptop, which kind of seems a bit like unethical, really. Like yeah. He should have just wiped it clean if it was really uh, something that somebody had left him. If you talk to other people in the, the porn industry, it doesn't mean the porn, porn not porn, porn shops. Porn shops, people yeah. Who run porn shops and things like that. If someone leaves a laptop or repair shops, uh, it doesn't mean you own the contents of everything that's on that laptop uh, just yeah. because someone someone left it there. You own the physical thing itself. Uh, but but yeah, it's it was very kind of suspicious and possibly some kind of, uh, of 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 operation done by somebody trying to discredit him. And you know, obviously the timing of it well, the was timing very was suspicious. The impeccable part, yeah. The timing was mm-hmm. the the part that flashed red to me. And then also yeah. when they started to say, "Oh, look, the media is not covering this. They're trying to bury the story." I mean, what if it's just an uninteresting story, like? Yeah, you know. I, th- I think you know, the media is a combination of things there. I think the media recognized uh, that there were a lot of problems with the story about the the validity of you know the story in itself, where the hard drive came from to start with, and then the things that were on the hard drive. Because it's kind of like a known disinformation tactic of, of the Russians. I'm not saying it was the Russians, but just for example, the Russians will uh, kind of hide lies in a bunch of truth mm-hmm. so they could have at some point have got hunter biden's laptop or an image of it or whatever and then just uh took the entire thing which has got photos of him you know smoking a crack pipe from back when he was addicted and things like that uh which may not have been on the laptop it may have been something that was you know from a long time ago but you know he had addiction problems and he was open about that and he's not the one running for for office but then they will take that and then they will insert little things in there like there might be emails between him and somebody else and then they could just change a few words in the emails to make it sound a lot worse than it actually was but we don't really know because we don't really know what the uh, validity of of the stuff on the on the drive was and I don't, i'm not sure if if the bidens have really made any comments about the, the drive itself and so the press is just left with not knowing how genuine these things are and they they don't want to um they don't want to be accused of in, interfering with the election by putting out stuff that hasn't been actually vetted. And, and also, you know, there probably is a degree of, of liberal bias there. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, you know, a lot of people in the press would prefer Biden to be president than, than, than Trump. And it may be if the tables were turned a bit, it might not have been quite so, uh, uh, so, so good for whoever's laptop it was. Yeah. Uh, so for the last few years, you've been uh, discussing and uh, debating some of these uh, UFO enthusiasts um, mm-hmm. online regarding sure the, the Navy uh, uh, videos. Uh, was it Go Fast and was it Gimbal? The other one's called Go Fast, Gimbal, and Tic Tac or Fleur yes. One. Yeah. Now I've followed a little bit of it, but um, I haven't got too much into the weeds. H- have you found any common ground in any of those discussions or have you just been met with a cement wall at every turn? Well, this, this, uh, the, the, the bottom line, like the way it's kind of all come out is like, uh, there were these three videos that got released, uh, these, these three infrared videos, mostly uh, of little blobs in the distance doing what seems to be interesting things. And uh, my focus is on analyzing these videos to try to figure out what these things were. But along with these videos, there are also uh, various eyewitness accounts of things that happened either you know, on the ships that were the planes came from, or in, in one case, a pilot like, flew over at a different time and saw what he described as being a, a tic-tac. Got my little iPhone case here, something that looks a bit like this, just a tic-tac shape, a cigar shape. Uh, and so. 
I, I focus on analyzing the videos and there's three of them and I go through each one and I you know go look frame by frame and I look at the numbers on the screen and do lots of analysis. And then I, I say you know, what I think is going on in this video and I give my reasons and I say what I think is not going on in the video. Like I, like I'm, I don't think it's defying gravity or it's making sudden moves or it's moving really fast or whatever I think is not going on. Uh, and I, I think I've made a fairly good case for those videos, but then the common ground uh, there is that everybody says, well, what about the eyewitness accounts? Why are you ignoring all these eyewitness accounts? And, and I'm not ignoring them. I, I do actually discuss the eyewitness accounts, but the problem is we don't have any eyewitness accounts of the videos. We just have the videos themselves, uh, especially with the gimbal and GoFast videos. We don't really have uh, any good accounts. I think we've got like one secondhand account of some guy who said that he saw the video later or something like that, or he talked to the guy who was there. Uh, but with those two videos, it, all we have is the video itself. So I just focus on analyzing the video and say, what's in the video? And a lot of people don't like that because they, they think that you should take the totality of the evidence. But that only really works if there's a, some kind of connection between the two parts of the evidence. If the guy says, I saw this rotating craft, and then you say, well, here's the video of that same rotating craft, then yeah, you can look at those two things together. But we didn't. We just said, we just have a video of a what seems to be a rotating craft, and we have a guy saying, I saw this video of this rotating craft. So that's been, it's been a, an ongoing issue, is, is trying to kind of get through to the people who believe in UFOs as, as some kind of extraordinary phenomena, that all I'm doing is analyzing the videos because the videos do in fact stand alone. Right. Uh, you know, I, I feel like because UFO sightings have become more almost normalized or accepted in the, in the world, it brings out more claims. Like, because you, I, I, I can't think of a uh, specific example, but I, I know I've heard people, friends and that, over the years, just randomly tell me a story. Yeah, I saw something, you know, last summer, I, mm -hmm. I saw something at the beach and it was this and that and the light went fast. And I always feel like they're just sort of reciting uh, details of maybe a previous UFO you know, description they might have heard. And it, I, I feel like they just sometimes people just want to yeah. say something and be a part of something. Um, it's, it's very difficult uh, talking to people who have had a UFO sighting, or who think they've had a UFO sighting. Because uh, a lot of them like, genuinely believe that something special happened and they get kind of defensive if you, you question you know, whether was it actually special or, or were you just having you know, a bit of a brain fart or some kind of optical illusion was going on or you perhaps just saw a, uh, uh, a B2 bomber or something like that. Um, so it's it's... I almost like don't like to talk to people who who just simply are giving you an eyewitness account of what happened because it, it doesn't generally go anywhere, especially if it's something that happened years ago. Uh, like there's some guy on Facebook t tells me about how he, I don't know, what happened exactly. Like he stopped his car and there was a giant black triangle flew overhead and you could see it clearly and it was the size of two football fields. And this is, you know, he genuinely believes this is what happened. Uh, but then you see other accounts from history where people are describing the same event. Uh, they were together, they were standing next to each other, and they, they give descriptions of, of what they say was the same event. And one guy says, oh, yeah, it was like this giant sphere that like hovered for a while. And the other guy said it was like a, it was a triangle that was zipped by really quickly. Uh, and even though it was actually the same event, people have different perceptions of what what, uh, what what was going on, or at least they have different memories of what happened when they're asked to talk about it later. Uh, and because like a group of people could have different uh, different perceptions of something within that group, then obviously when you have one individual and they're telling you one story, it doesn't mean that was the actual accurate story. If there'd been like a few people standing there watching the same thing, they may well have reported different things his might have been the accurate one, but it also might have been the one that was wrong, or they might all have been wrong. Could have been some kind of um, 
uh, optical illusion because you're all looking at the same thing. You know, if there's an optical illusion type thing over there and you all look at it, you're all going to be subject to the same illusion. Yeah. And, uh, and there's so, and you've talked about this many times, but there's so, you know, memory is, is not infallible. Our, our senses are not infallible. Like uh, this, we know this from psychology and all types of things. Um, and also there are strange phenomenon like weather things and all mm -hmm, kinds of stuff mm -hmm. that optical illusions um, there's, the world is an interesting place that is full of interesting uh, happenstances and phenomenon, but uh, it doesn't always mean, and I, yeah. I think people always lean into this, that whatever they see must mean usually UFOs, which usually means aliens. Yeah. Uh, and I, people also like when they see things for the first time, uh, they, they sometimes have difficulty understanding what they're looking at. Uh, like I've had, I, I've, I moved house recently. Uh, this is a new background, a new house from the last time that we talked. And where I lived before, we wouldn't get very many flocks of migratory birds. Very rare to see. But where I've moved now, like uh, it's like closer into Sacramento, uh, I'm near a lake. And pretty much every day, I get loads of birds flying overhead. And sometimes in giant V formations or giant double V formations, or sometimes I see these these enormous, like flocks of birds. All you can see is these little white specks in the sky, just fly across in some kind of formation. Sometimes in lines, sometimes in big swirling clouds. And if you hadn't seen that type of thing before, which you know I didn't because I I, I just moved here, then you could very easily uh, fall for the idea that it was something new. Like if you're just visiting somewhere and you see these these white dots fly across the sky and you, you can't see the wings flapping because they're so high up. You just see bright white dots in the sunlight. You might think they're UFOs. And if, and if you go onto uh, the UFO reporting sites like MUFON and look through their database, uh, you will find stuff that's obviously just flocks of birds. And it's because they, they've, they've only seen it for the first time. And then you'll sometimes you'll read the description, either there's no video or before you look at the video, you read the descriptions and they say things like a fleet of craft uh, flew across the sky. And they'll say like the craft were as big as a plane, things like that, but it's just a flock of birds. So you get this, this disconnect, a known disconnect between verbal descriptions and what's actually there. So any verbal description could well be subject to that kind of disconnect, no matter how how forcefully uh, the person actually believes it. Yeah. Um, the, another point of news uh, recently is the COVID stimulus package and that uh, stipulated in there is that the government is going to release some sort of information on, on identity, whatever they call yeah. it, UA. <clears throat> and of course, all, anytime these things come out in the news, uh, like when the Navy sighting videos uh, came out or whether, I mean, it might've been a year after they came out initially, New York Times had that article and, uh, I think it was. And anytime there's a release in the media like this, it gets people who were sort of on the fence to go, oh, maybe there really is aliens. Like, let me look into this now. And so what's what can you explain about the COVID stimulus uh, and what's in there? Well, it, you know, it, it's it's not even like um, like a legislation or anything like that. It was it was just kind of a, a committee comment, like a committee directive that got tacked on to something that became part of the COVID stimulus bill because they, they threw all these things in there. Uh, and, you know, what happened really is that Marco Rubio in Florida, uh, he's a bit of a, a UFO enthusiast. And he's kind of like, because of that, kind of got behind this idea that there should be more reporting on uh, on uh, UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomena, which is what the Navy calls them, uh, and so he was supplied some language, uh, which is what's you know in in the comment there uh, by the the to the stars academy. I can't remember the name of the guy now. The ex the ex government guy. There's an ex government guy who who works there. Uh, the Pentagon and, guy used to work at the Pentagon, or no? It's the the other guy, the former uh, assistant uh, under secretary of, of defense oh, okay. type thing. Uh, can't remember his name. Um, it doesn't really matter. But he wrote this language, gave it to Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio is on this committee. He got it put into the committee comments as a directive, and then he gets into the 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 thing, the the the, the bill. It doesn't really mean anything. Uh, it, you know, it directs them to 
produce uh, a report on the uh, what's going on, but they can't produce a unclassified report that will be released to the public. So that there's going to be probably two things, maybe just one thing, but they're going to do things that are unclassified. So they're going to say, oh yeah, we're looking into uh, airspace incursions at military bases and in uh, uh, in, in fleet uh, formation type things. Uh, and these are the steps that we're taking and people are flying drones in and sometimes planes fly in by accident and blah, 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 just you know, the usual type of thing. Uh, and then sometimes we get reports from pilots who can't identify what they're seeing. And so we're looking into uh, better ways of resolving those situations, better training for the pilots, like what additional things need to be done, what might these these cases have been in the past and you know what, what causes a a situation where the pilot can't identify things. So yeah, they'll, they'll produce a report like that. Uh, and then maybe there's some classified stuff as well, which they might do a classified bit of the report, which will be like, oh, and yeah, we have this, this secret platform of, uh, of counter drone activities and you know, killer drone swarms and stuff like that, but it's all classified so they can't talk about it. But you know, they're not gonna say, um, we found yeah, aliens. we think they're aliens. <laughs> uh, when uh, when Obama announced that he got Osama bin Laden, I was driving around at the time and I heard it on the news. And I remember I thought, because they just said he's going to come on and make an announcement. And I remember I thought it was going to be mm. aliens. He's <laughs> 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 never aliens. Yeah, I, but, but, I, but, you know, people people who are UFO fans, and I'm a bit of a UFO fan myself, you yeah. know, science fiction person, especially when I was younger, and yeah, it would be really cool uh, to discover alien life. Uh, it's, it's, it's like there's a, a, a distorted sense of it, it's about to happen. Yeah. Like, yeah. The disclosure just around the corner and that it's the most important thing that's ever happened in human history, which it kind of would be if we actually discovered alien life. Mm. We're not alone in the universe. It's pretty damn significant and would be amazing. Is this this feeling that that it's just it's just about it's just there. It's just about to happen and yeah. we've we'll got to get one more push. But no, there's not it's not happening. Never there's comes. nothing there's no indication whatsoever that the aliens are visiting us. The Navy gives two hoots about these things because they've got real issues to worry about. Yeah. Uh you know, airspace incursion is a real issue, but they don't think that it's aliens. You know, the, the most they're gonna think that perhaps the 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 Russians and the Chinese have some fancy drones or or something, but which you know, is a serious that. thing. I mean, uh, the, the just geopolitics oh, yeah. and that, and the concept of yeah. maybe another war. We need to pay attention to these things, and uh, yeah, yeah, some of this. Uh, yeah, we are... should we, we should be forward thinking on, on these things because there's there's new weapons coming out all the time. Like the idea I just mentioned of drone swarms uh, attacking people. You've already seen drones uh, being used to try to assassinate political leaders. Yeah, there was one in South Did America, you see like the, a bit uh, Eureka. Netflix thing with um, it's called Spycraft. Yeah, yeah they this go they go into yeah. all those th different things, and some of it's incredible. I mean, and, the, and even the true things that we know about already, like the poisonings and that kind of thing, is mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a drone swarm. I mean, I think there's there's a certain a failure of imag imagination in terms of of uh, getting ready for these types of things, but. If someone uh, wanted to, they, it would be relatively easy to do some kind of drone swarm with uh, drones with with explosives on them and send them into uh, into buildings and things like that. Or yeah, don't especially if there's an open ideas. air situation. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure that uh, people are talking about this, and this would be the type of thing that would be classified. And so you're going to get a a portion of this report if it ever comes out, which we probably will. There'll be something that comes out. You're going to get a portion of the report that's classified, and it's going to contain things about how do we defend against drone swarms, mm -hmm. and how do we defend against you know whatever other uh, types of uh, weapons are anticipated in the future. But because there's going to be this classified section, people are going to think, ah, that that's the bit about aliens. But it's not. It's just going to be something about advanced drawing weapons or whatever, or, or advanced defensive techniques. Um, speaking again of COVID, uh, the mm. origins of the virus. Now, we have Mike Pompeo, Donald Trump. Uh, we had Donald Trump say, of course, you know, throughout the, la the last year, you know, we we're looking into it very strongly. We we have ed evidence that suggests that uh, it may have been uh, created in a lab. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you have the point that. Uh, 
in Wuhan, there's a level four lab near where this is supposed to originate from. Uh, I had Dr. Kevin Folt on recently, and we talked about this, and we talked about how there's a lab in every uh, city in China. He's been to the lab in Wuhan. He told me a bit about it. Uh, one of the points of evidence that they had brought forward was that they're now they figured out that in November of 2019, the workers there had cold symptoms, like as if that is supposed to be hmm. some direct evidence that, you know, they got it while they were trying to create it or keep it locked down or whatever. The, the, the point uh, that virologists have made, and there's a great Reddit thread. Um, uh, I may add the link again in the show notes for this episode, but uh, where a virologist PhD goes into depth about why it's highly likely that it's, not created by humans um you know and uh, basically they're just when virologists look at the virus they can just tell that it, if it was it, it's not well made like there's a lot of errors in it and, and yeah. were have been made by humans they would have done a much better job and or maybe they would have covered their tracks so i know <laughs> it's like, maybe but the, you know this links to another bit of a ramble about uh the intellectual dark web and the Joe Rogan experience and the, the uh, Mr. Weinstein there, uh, mm -hmm. the bio evolutionary biologist uh, who had suggested on Joe Rogan, you know, that his evidence for why he thinks it's could be man-made and things like this, that I see a lot of those people, like we mentioned Joe Rogan, who has showcased you multiple times. He had a, his great show questions, everything there. And it seemed like he was doing a lot of great work to, yeah showcase skeptics and debunking and now it's kind of taking a turn for you he's got a lot of ufo guys on lately he's had this guy um I have his name here somewhere the the gentleman who wrote, wrote a book about well that guy for ufos but there's this other mm. guy about covid that says you know masks oh, okay. don't work and, yeah. Yeah. uh he wrote a book on all this and you go through the death numbers and mm -hmm. what do you think about uh these shifts a little bit there with uh these figures and uh <laughs> Well, that's a lot of, a lot of topics yeah, there's a lot there. there but... Yeah, the Joe, Joe Rogan thing, like I think he definitely has um, backslid a little bit. I think bit. I think for a while he, he kind of got really interested in kind of debunking things because he recognized a few things that he'd got wrong before. You know, he always talks about how he had this, this kind of wake-up call about uh, rod photography, which is where yeah. when an insect flies uh, through the frame of a photograph in a, a long exposure, you get this kind of, look fancy looking rod and he thought that they actually were like alien ethereal beings or something and then he figured out they weren't and so he he, he talked about that and then he figured out that chemtrails weren't real like partly by reading my blog and and so he, he talked about that a lot as well but then i think there's there's a bunch of stuff that he hasn't been willing to let go like the, the ufo stuff uh and it's kind of in some ways uh he's become mm, perhaps a bit excessively open-minded in that he, he's he's believing things without evidence more because he's he's already primed because he's believing people like Bob Lazar on the UFO nonsense. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm specifically talking about Bob Lazar's UFO nonsense, not about anybody else's nonsense here. Uh, and and so I think you know, he he perhaps is a bit more open to conspiracy theory type things. And then you get into things like the the COVID stuff, like was it created in a lab or was it modified in a lab? Like was were they researching something and it, it got out? Uh, it's it's kind of easy to ask, like you know, what is what if questions there and just postulate that it might have happened, and then say that it probably did, and without really having to go through the evidence. It's it's like you you put two and two together. There was a lab there, and this is an unusual virus, and so therefore. You know, it's uh, it, it was created in the lab, so I think he's kind of taking, in some ways, the path of least resistance. But he's also kind of got a bit swept up in this this kind of constellation of of different kind of people and theories, which which kind of tends towards uh, a belief in in things like the election fraud uh, and you know COVID being faked. And I think you know, in some ways. He's he became a bit of a Trump supporter, even though he doesn't really like Trump, but he didn't really like Biden either. So, it's, well, this uh, is the thing, and this is uh, like with Dave Rubin and these other guys that are part of this group, uh, mm -hmm. less so the Sam Harris's and that, but with yeah. Peterson and Rubin and all these guys have shifted to the right. They say that they're not right wing, yeah, it's very they're, interesting. They're classical liberals, but yet they 
because the things on the left have annoyed them so much. And I think they've hyper-focused on Antifa and these types of things that mm -hmm. they just draw, they get drawn towards the, and they, but they can never commit to, I'm a Trump supporter. It's always, right. Uh, no, I don't. Like and they're probably either, not in a personal level, but, but, you know, it, it's with Joe Rogan, uh, you know, I come back to him because in some ways the intellectual dark web, uh, kind of revolves around him because it, it was his his kind of huge audience that promoted yeah. these things. I mean, you look at Jordan Peterson, and Jordan Peterson's thing was just basically that he was opposed to having to uh, pronouns you know, and... use use pronouns for his yeah. students. So, you know, whatever they chose, he was just going to refer to them as him or her, uh, whether they liked it or not. Or which he really blew that out of proportion. Like, I mean, I when I first heard him, I was like, okay, I understand. You shouldn't yeah. have to, I'm yeah. too. So this is in our neck of the woods. And uh, you know, yeah, we respect if you if you're trans and you have a pronoun, yet I I we do see that okay, you cannot force people to say certain things, but he made it seem like it was the end of the world. Indeed, and, yeah. And that that's that's kind of like so a, kind of an underpinning of the whole intellectual dark web type thing is this this kind of like really really strong opinion uh, opposition to this this kind of uh, gender identity issues and and also uh, uh this this thing called critical race theory uh where you know critical race theory is just that you know, kind of everything is kind of framed in the context of race because uh there's there's so much uh historical racism in this country and perhaps throughout the world but you know specifically in america which is you know true to a degree, obviously, because you know we have the whole slavery issue and the Civil War fought over uh, uh, ostensibly slavery, and this, this huge history of, of, of oppression and the civil rights movement and all that. So you know, you, you can kind of see how you know things can be viewed in that framework, but then it gets presented by these people like um, this guy called James Lindsay, who yeah. who was one of the co-authors of the book How to Have Impossible Conversations. Uh, which I followed him because of that book. But then I started seeing he was, all he did was post about critical race theory and how it's destroying civilization. You as know, if this I was, was the um, biggest issue ever. David Pakman, or no, I think it was Tim Heidecker, maybe I was listening to um, the comedian that uh, they're, they're liberal left-leaning guys mm -hmm. too, but he just made a point that, you know, all these guys talk about the same thing over and over again. And yeah. it's just boring. <laughs> and it kind of made me think, you know what, that's true. Like four years ago, when this was all happening, these guys are showing you different points of view, yet now they're just four years banging the same drums. And at least there's guys like Sam Harris who are still exploring new topics and, you know, progressing the conversation rather than just getting stuck. Because mm -hmm. that's what they started to say they were doing was they're they're talking about the real issues that, that you know, the, the left doesn't want to talk about in that. But now it's recursive. And it's, well, it's, it's almost a little bit like the, the UFO thing is that you, you get a, a pet subject that you think is really important and then it, it becomes like so all-encompassing and you start to view the world through that perspective. Uh, now, so I think like James Lindsay is, is viewing the world through the perspective as, of, of civilization is being destroyed by critical race theory. When the vast majority of people are are not have not heard of it and they're not really affected by it. Uh, so it's it's this this kind of weird weird perspective that uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah uh, there is a, a something to be said. I, I like uh, John McWhorter and the Glenn Lowry on this subject. They do uh, they're the black guys at the bloggingheads.tv and they have mm. a great podcast where they talk about this stuff. And um, John McWhorter is writing a book right now on anti racism and how it's similar to a cult or a religion. Um, right. so there's something to be said there interesting conversation but yes it's for the most part you're right like people don't really know or think about those kind of things and and uh yeah the intellectual dark web um i don't i think sam has uh, revoked his pass he said he's really <laughs> I think he said yeah i don't i'm not I'm putting down well, there's, there's also uh, michael Shermer in there and yeah uh, and he's great obviously he's uh, one of the yeah he, i mean he, he's a libertarian and I think uh, he he used to talk. I think a, a lot more about kind of uh, uh, libertarian his libertarian ideas, and he would sometimes come out with things that everyone was going, "Oh, Michael!" and they would like roll their eyes on, on Twitter about what he just said. But he seems to do that less and less now. I'm not sure if he said he's actually changed uh, his his position on things. But he he uh, yeah, it, it it was it was like you know, he's he's a guy who does all this great skeptical work and everything and then he's also in this strange intellectual dark web and is mm -hmm. is really worried about uh girls sports in schools being taken over by transgender 
girls. Yeah, uh, there's it's like a, it's interesting time uh, to to quote Joe Rogan, who often says <laughs> that. But it is uh, it really is, and I I do wonder with all the stuff that we talk about, uh, just the direction of social media and um, the economy now, and different things that are going on that are very strange, and no one quite knows the right answer. And it's it's it, you know, I can't imagine what the next 10, 20, 30 years is going to look like as far as yeah. the landscape. Of no, this it's 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 fascinating. Uh, yeah, you, you get things like this kind of intellectual dark web kind of cropping up. But yeah, you know, how how are things going to uh, change over the next uh, even like the next year or two? It's uh, the fallout from the election has has yet to really kind of start to rear its head. I think. Yeah, uh, wrapping up the last couple of things I wanted to talk about was. Um, touch on this concept of the great reset um mm. and also some bill gates stuff uh now it's, of course sure. this all relates to covid and, and everything else um so with this great reset from what i know my layman's understanding <laughs> is that there is a thing called the great reset there it's is. just a name for the economic approach after covid19 and how the world is supposedly, and it's not a mandate or a law either. It's a, no. it's a concept or, or a loose uh, collection of, of, of concepts. Yeah. But, but, but now uh, it's been co-opted in a sense. Uh, and I don't know which came first, but there's a, this sort of right-wing conspiracy that the, the, the New World Order, or it's almost a new name for the New World Order, essentially. Yeah. Or the purge. Uh, there was this, you know, this thing called the purge where they were going to just get rid of the laws for a day and get rid of all the people but yeah it's like the new world order but basically you know, the, the great reset is i think it was it's just essentially almost like it's just a website on the world economic forums uh, website and it's this kind of collection of what do we do now uh type essays and uh, suggestions for how we uh, might how the world's going to recover from the hit of covid and there's this this vast kind of shift in terms of uh, unemployment and this vast movement to working at home and things like that. And, and then this, this, this need to prevent future pandemics as well. So they kind of like think, you know, what should the world be like? And everyone's got their own opinions about what the world should be like. And the World Economic Forum isn't this, uh, this monolithic body. It's, it's hundreds if not you know, thousands of members who all have different ideas about the, what the world should be like. But we do know that COVID has created uh, a big change, you know, very obviously, like what's gone on for the last, um, like nearly a year now, has been has been very significant you know, in the way people conduct themselves in a variety of ways, like you know, certainly things like working from home and homeschooling and things like that. So the, there has been a change, whether you like it or not. So you could just say that COVID itself has been the great reset. And now we're just going to figure out what that actually entails but then people are also saying like um the world is changing you know we've got to get in there and make sure it changes in the right direction we've got to like not uh let things just go downhill we've got to try to get things onto a more stable basis and it's not so much that we have the opportunity to do that it's that there's a necessity to act now uh before things like turn really bad yeah, so yeah reason. i don't think there's I don't really think there's anything to it in terms of like a big conspiracy theory in the new world order, because new world order has always been a term that just refers to how the world is now. Like yeah. the, the world after the Cold War was a new world order. After the Berlin Wall fell, it was a new world order. After we left Vietnam, it was a new world order. So yes. the world and is I, changing. I just wonder why. The, I, I had thought that the Great Reset was originally a uh, term in the conspiracy world and then coincidentally they named this thing the great reset or is it that they named it the great Re reset and then the conspiracy guys took a hold of the name yeah I, I don't think it was a thing before uh there were like things like you know the purge and then there's there's, there's other related things like agenda 21 and agenda 2050 uh which are similar kind of like you know blue sky think tank type things where people say, what what do we want the world to be like if we have to have a sustainable world? And then they write all these kind of wish list things and then people like take them as being uh, uh, as being what the elite wants. It's like, you know, you could take the Georgia Guidestones and uh, say that's what the elite wants. Just because something is written down somewhere, even if it's written in stone, it doesn't mean that that's actually the, the law of the land. Right. It also makes me think about when they say, um, you know, that leaders are power hungry and they're just trying to consolidate more power and 
isn't that such a bad thing? And I just always think, um, and this relates to Bill Gates buying all this uh, agricultural land now and being the largest landowner. Anyone who's rich is going to buy assets and anyone mm-hmm. who has power is going to want to consolidate and maintain that power. Um, it's like when you have a job, you want to keep getting promoted and advanced in your job. Like uh, back to the beginning, we were talking about people getting speaking fees and that kind of thing. It's like people just want when your politician has done their their reign there to go to a farmland and just like till the soil for the rest of their lives in retirement like they're not allowed to you know write a book or get any sort of money or speaking fees and yeah i just think that a lot of this stuff is attributing nefariousness yeah to these things but they're just how the world works and and with bill gates especially i mean the stuff bill gates is doing is is great i mean he's really pushing like global health and uh, uh global vaccinations and changes for sustainability and like and to say that it's part of some evil plan is kind of ridiculous i mean he's the you know i think the second richest person maybe the third richest uh, now but still you know he's got tens of billions of dollars and he's spending tens of billions of dollars on on good work but uh you know, if you've got the idea that vaccinations are evil, then unfortunately that just means you have no choice but to assume that Bill Gates is is evil, and then then you've got to go from there and say, you know, why would he be trying to poison everybody with vaccines? And you've got to make up this whole complicated uh, fairy tale of a conspiracy theory to explain why he would be doing that. When really the reality is is that he's just very much in favor of of improving healthcare. And, and health outcomes in other countries. Like he did a lot against uh, malaria, uh, things like that. And he's just a good, he just happens to be a good person. Would you believe that? Like, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, he's just like, you know, he's a Silicon Valley nerd, essentially. Um, he's one he's of my heroes, like, like since I was yeah. a kid, honestly. And uh, me and my grandmother have this great, we talk about this a lot because, uh, uh, and she does listen to these shows. So hi, grandma. Um, she is, we always talk about Bill Gates because she, like, for example, she got uh, a video shared to her by an old lady, another lady at uh, her mm. church. And it was um, this hoax video from 2011 of Bill Gates giving a talk to the CIA. Yeah. Or something. And if you look at the video, it's not even Bill Gates. It's some yeah. other guy. Uh, yeah, that was the Funvax uh, conspiracy theory. Which I wrote about years ago. Okay. Um, the idea was that this there was a vaccine against uh, spiritualism. So there right. was yep. the, Bill Gates had invented this vaccine, and it would stop people from believing in God, which yeah. is you know completely baseless science, really. Like, why uh, would it have to be a vaccine? Why couldn't it just be like a pill? <laughs> Uh, it, well, I, I, you know, the people don't really understand what vaccines are, so they yeah, think yeah. vaccines carry DNA altering molecules and nano robots and things like that. Uh, so the whole thing was, was was quite ridiculous. And but you know, like like most good conspiracy theories, it's based on like a tiny sliver of truth. Like there was a book called The God Gene that some guy wrote, where he he said there was like uh, parts of the genetic code that contributed towards spirituality. Spirituality, but the, the title of the book was misleading, as he actually said in the introduction, in that there wasn't just one gene. There was like hundreds of different bits of the genetic code which all had impacts on that, and it was mostly not to do with genetics. It was to do with your upbringing. So it's not like you could just spray something in the air and everyone stops believing in God. It was complete nonsense. Yeah, the uh, you know it's it's kind of disheartening sometimes where you see a Bill Gates article or a tweet or whatever it is, and then you you just know when you scroll down the comments you're going to see. And uh, <laughs> every time I scroll yeah, down, I'm yeah. correct. And uh, you know this one page was a some sort of psychedelic art page or something I used to follow, and you know it slowly over the years turned into more political things and whatnot. And they, they just shared that article that he you know now is the largest landowner. Uh, farmland owner in America. And of course the comments are things like, you know, he's not human. We're all doomed. Why did we let him buy our land? And I'm Yeah. Like, well, I mean, there's loads of people who are far more evil than Bill Gates, uh, who own lots of land. Like there's the guy who used to run Enron, the one who got away with it, who cashed out before, uh, uh, before they got caught. He's the largest landowner in Hawaii. And, you know, he just basically used all the money he stole from Californian electrical, electrical uh, people who yeah. pay for electricity and uh, use it to buy lots of land. Uh, what's his name? The, the guy who runs Oracle has huge amounts of land. Um, Ted Turner uh, okay, had loads yeah. of land. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, sure, they, uh, they, rich people buy land. It's one of the things that they do. Yeah. And if you've got uh-huh. lots of money, you're going to buy lots of land. And I think 
if you look into it, you'll probably find that a lot of the land is buying is for con- conservancy. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Well, uh, that's exactly what it is. And that's yeah. uh, very obvious to anyone who really looks into Bill and Melinda Gates, their foundation and that kind of thing. It's, uh, Basically, the moral yeah. of the story with all this stuff, just don't just believe what you just, you know, a headline or a picture or a video, just yeah. maybe read a, read a half of a book or a whole book on the subject. And usually, well, let's look into a bit more detail and, and look at the other explanations. Like, like people talk about how Bill Gates uh, said he was going to reduce the world's population with vaccines. Uh, and they think that's literally what he said, but you know, he didn't say that. He, he said that uh, he's going to, uh, reduce the rate of population growth with things like improved healthcare and vaccines. And then you think, how does that work? And and it works because when you have stable healthcare in a country, women have fewer children. And yeah, people don't understand that world, in, in Africa, yeah. third world countries and that, they if they don't have contraception or different access to healthcare and all kinds of things like that, they have too many kids and then they can't take care of them and some of them die. Yeah. And that's a huge problem. Yeah, and they 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 have multiple kids in part because some of them die. Like they they know that you know right, if a child right. only has like a, a one in three chance of getting to the age of six, then you're right. gonna have more children. And uh, developed countries have a a replacement rate of about you know two, and other countries are having replacement rates of about like three or four or five. And the better the healthcare system is, then the more stable the population growth rate is. But people take this very, very simple thing that uh, vaccines are part of reducing the population growth rate, and then they twist it round, and it becomes vaccines kill people to reduce the population. Yeah. Uh, but you know, people have got to look at more than just that simple uh, interpretation of, of what the, what's going on. Like, at least look at the other interpretations, and you'll find that you know these are the actual real interpretations. It's not an interpretation. This is what it actually is. But, you know, don't don't just stop thinking once you hear one explanation. Keep thinking. And, you know, to my grandmother's credit, she now generally asks me every time somebody sends her Mm. a crazy link. She says, you know, what is this about? And then I'm happy to check in and let her know. And, uh, you know, you know, there there you go. Um, So, Mick, uh, thanks again for your time today. Uh, Everybody, if you want to follow Mick, it's Mick West, I believe, on Twitter. Uh, The podcast is Tales from the Rabbit Hole. Uh, you got a lot of cool episodes lately of different people you've met through Metabunk and others uh, that uh, explaining their stories with conspiracy beliefs and how they got mm-hmm. out of them, different things like that. And uh, of course, your book too is still available, uh, Escape from the Rabbit Hole. Anything yeah. else people can, anywhere else people can find you? Or uh, Well, I'm, I'm Mick West uh, pretty much everywhere. So if you just search for that on whatever the platform is, I usually crop up. And uh, any calls from Rogan lately? You think you could get back on there and straighten things <laughs> out? No, I'm kind of hoping he'll have me on to talk about UFOs at some point. He We've does mention it, me know. occasionally, saying, "Well, what about Mick West?" Isn't uh, he's, yeah. he's very dismissive. You know, he thinks I'd go through mental gymnastics, which I don't think is a bad thing. You know, mental, if you're doing mental gymnastics, that means you're <laughs> actually trying out, really yeah. hard to think. <laughs> well, here's to hoping you know some sort of uh, conference podcast you guys can have with maybe Bob Lazar can come on. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's that would be fun. But somebody i am actually doing a podcast uh, uh in next week i think with a guy where we're going to talk about bob lazar perfect uh, should be interesting well hey mick thanks again and uh, all the best man we'll talk to you soon